You're listening to Still Learning, a podcast all about learning styles and stories, where people describe pivotal learning moments in their lives, how they came to understand their own learning style or process, and what they are curious about or still learning today. My name is Katie. In this episode, I spoke with Katie Faulkner. Katie was one of my first dance teachers at the ballet studio where I spent most of my time as a young person. It was Katie's modern dance class that really opened my eyes to what dance can be. She is someone I continue to look up to and admire in how she approaches life as a mover, as a deep thinker, as a really embodied artist. Listening back to our conversation, so much of what she shares might be contextually about dance, but is also applicable to so many other ways of thinking about learning and growing and being a person in the world. She says at one point, the what of your dancing means so much less than the why and the how of your dancing. Katie also shares about what it's like to share your work publicly and how to handle the fear and resistance we inherently feel so often to doing things wrong, something she witnessed teaching young girls in a ballet studio, and that really resonates with me also as a teacher of young girls. One note is that there was a technical foible in that only Katie's voice recorded. Apparently two Katie's was too many, but it's okay because the meat is really in her words. In this first part of our conversation, I started by asking Katie about her background as a dancer, how she started moving, what her training was like, and then we spoke about what she's learned from two decades as a dance teacher. She also describes her process of learning to tune in to her intuitive senses and how she came to trust that dance and movement was a language she felt most comfortable and driven to speak in her own work. I started started dancing when I was four, four years old. My There was a, a kid in my preschool class who was taking dance classes at this um, modern dance studio in Raleigh, North Carolina. It was uh, run by a woman who had um, an education in early childhood development and uh, somehow through that, uh, got wind of the powers of creative movement for young children. And so she started a, a studio school called um, Arts Together in, in North Carolina. And there was a little girl in my preschool who was taking classes there. And I guess our moms chatted and my mom heard that it was a really wonderful place. And so she signed me up for some classes and I fell in love with it, like instantaneously. I was so excited after my first class. I slept in my leotard and tights that night. (laughs) And I mean, it was a really, just right away, it just felt really like a really special thing. It was something I was really excited about and looked forward to. And I think I... Uh, I instantly associated it with being as being a place where I could uh, feel connected to a community. It was a very um, nurturing, very warm, very community oriented place. And I, I would say that 
you know, maybe the first things that I really latched onto as a little person was that I just really loved the people that I was going to see however many days a week. And I really loved dancing around to music. Like the music piece for me at that age was really important. And I don't even know, I think it took a quite a long time before the, the sort of body orientation really emerged as something that was valuable for me because it was so, I was so excited about these other, these other ingredients. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I stayed at that studio until I was 18 years old. Um, and one of the, one of the wonderful things about it, so it was a modern studio. We did, you know, creative movement oriented things when I was really little. And then I would say when I was maybe around the age of eight or so, I started doing more kind of formal modern technique classes. Um, I started to have ballet once a week. It was not classical ballet. It was really just ballet taught by other modern dancers um, and never went on point. Uh, it was really just in the service of kind of furthering this modern curriculum. Um, and also when I was eight, I joined the studio company, which was called the Rainbow Dance Company. And it was... Uh, an intergenerational uh, female company, all female company, at least when I was there, it was. So it was uh, really little people. I think the oldest or the youngest were eight year olds. And then there were mothers and grandmothers in the group as well. And that was really special. You know, I didn't, I just took it for granted because that was all I knew. Um, it wasn't until much later that I started to understand how unique that, that entree to dancing was. Um, and this rainbow company model, it was very collaborative. All of the, the pieces and the projects that I worked on, you know, they were choreographed, but they were choreographed in a way that is very, um, congruent with the ways I think a lot of contemporary choreographers work now, which is, you know, sourcing from, uh, improvisation and sourcing from, uh, movement material that the dancers themselves have generated. And, you know, all of that just felt like very second nature to me. Um, and so my training was under, undergirded with this very um, integrative approach to creative process. Like improvisation was always really important. Choreography was something that I had practice in from the time I was really young. Um, and, and that just as that being so linked um, really shaped my perspective about what dancing is and who it's for and um, how people should be expected and or allowed or given permission to engage with it. Um, so, yeah, so I did college. I studied theater and playwriting, which is sort of funny to me now because I have done almost none of that since I graduated, but it still has had its after effects I think in my artistic point of view. Um, and then I decided a couple of years after college, after sort of wandering around in nonprofit work for a while that, that it was something that I really deeply, deeply missed, that it was this core part of my identity that I had just really vanquished in a number of ways over several years. And so I went back to that same old studio in Raleigh 
and just started taking classes again. And it was just like a thunderbolt went off. It was so, it was really one of those like very rare Eureka moments that one has where it's like, oh, my sense of purpose is directly linked to this activity. And I have to figure out a way to commit more fully to it. You know, I, like I, like I was saying for a number of years prior to, to deciding to try it again, I was working in these nonprofits um, I worked for the Special Olympics. I worked for the Food Bank of North Carolina. I worked for an arts organization. All of these things, which I deeply, deeply valued and, you know, really believed that because I really cared about the mission and, and, and values of these organizations, that that should be enough to give me a sense of purpose, that that should be enough to make me feel nourished and, and fed in my daily life. And you know, maybe it was just the nature of the work that I was doing for these organizations, but I just felt maybe because it was largely administrative or, 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 you know, sort of, um, desk work. I, I just felt so miserable, like so disconnected from myself. And then I, it was really only like a week or two going back to taking these classes and it was just like this profound sense of all of these different parts of myself starting to sort of sing the same chord for the first time in, in probably by that point, it had been like six or seven years. And it just felt like I just felt this clarity of, of, of unison and unity in my own body and being. So it was body, but it was also spirit and it was also kind of my creative, like I associate my intelligence with my sort of creativity. Like I feel like they are, they are connected to each other. And, and I guess what I experienced, and this is something that I think that I, that I think about a lot when I consider what teaching dance means is that I felt like it was a moment where, um, all parts of myself came together in ways that they, they just cannot in any other circumstance. Like there's something uniquely integrative to, to my mind about dance in particular, that it's a meeting, it's a meeting point for all of these really deep parts of ourselves, you know, at least that's how I experience it. And I think that that was what I experienced in that moment was just this profound sense of synthesis and um, and then that and then it just made very clear to me what I needed and wanted to dedicate the next years of my life to. From sort of the most basic body organization, body knowledge perspective, I think teaching dance has just made me so, so, so much clearer about what's going on in the body. I, I think because so much of my training was not conservatory based, it really was about kind of fostering the individual voice of the artist student. So much of my training was in this, in that spirit. There wasn't a lot of, I mean, it was, there was technique, but it wasn't, dialed in in this rigorously kind of anatomically highly technical or classical sense. I got some of that in graduate school, but I, my, my sense of my own body, I just didn't have a lot of language for what was going on. I had 
a felt sense of what was going on, but I, I hadn't, I hadn't really broken down what needed to be recruited in any given moment to feel effective, you know, at executing something. It was more like I was working very from the outside in as a student rather than from the inside out, like an inside out understanding. And so I think having to teach made me, forced me to interrogate what was happening inside my body so that I could try to communicate that articulately and expressly to my to my students. And I think when I met you, I, you know, I was very brand new to teaching. I, that was my first real teaching job. So I wasn't, I wasn't there yet. I, I, I felt like what I knew how to do was lean heavily on the sort of relational part of what dance training I think can provide that, that community centered, allowing people a space to have joy and connection and play and, uh, you know, being a part of something creative together. Like, I think that was something I leaned on quite a lot when I was with you all. Um, but I but I didn't have as deep as I feel I have now, a sense of just purely physically what's going on in the body. How can you sustain what you're doing in a way that's smart and um, intentional? Uh, and, you know, and also because I've, gone on to get my Laban Bartiniev certification. There's a whole other system of tools for thinking about how to work functionally in the body, how to work expressively in the body, how to exert yourself, how to recuperate, you know, just a wide range of like real skills that I just didn't have. So the, the, the teaching itself, I think, is what really dropped me into a deeper sense of, uh, of actual body knowledge. Um, I think there's a part for any new teacher where they spend the first several years kind of enacting and iterating versions of teachers that they've had until they can start to sort of become more conscious about what of that they actually really want to, to integrate as a part of their identity and what do they actually want to forge as uniquely their own. And that took me a while too. Um, getting to a place where I could feel confident about what I had to offer and the ways in which that deviated from, you know, maybe some more mainstream conceptions of what a dance teacher should be doing. Um, it was interesting to be trying to find that in the context of Marin Ballet, which was such a wonderful place in so many ways, and also so alien to me in, in many other ways. Um, and like what my colleagues, whom I adored, I mean, I loved my, my teacher friends there and I absolutely adored my students there, but the sort of the value system in that environment was really different from what I had been raised in and kind of the, the, the types of standards that students were being held to, while I understood them, I also felt at odds with them uh, a lot of the time. So I think like, just going through that process and starting to make decisions about what I cared about and what I didn't, taking the things that felt like they mattered and leaving the things that didn't. Um, and I guess as I get older and I work with a wider sort of variety of students, I start to feel less and less like what like the what of your dancing matters so much less than the how and the why of your dancing. 
like the, the actual steps, the actual technique, quote unquote, the actual, the actual aesthetic, that matters so much less than what kinds of decisions you are making in relation to being in your own body and trying to express something with it. Um, and that's just a kind of a hard thing to cut through because there's a lot of noise with respect to dance training, um, a lot of it. A lot of mirrors, a lot of judgment, a lot of competition, a lot of inequities, a lot of uh, really abusive, I think, body image messaging and um, just a lot of noise that really takes us away from, oftentimes I think these really core things that bring us to dancing in the first place. Um, so I think in learning those values and, and being in this body-centered practice, I just, I get to learn more about what I care about in the world generally and the kinds of relationships I wanna foster and the kinds of agency I wanna help people to develop and the kinds of like qualities of listening I want people to cultivate in their own bodies and, um, and, and to, to maybe help them to realize that every single person has some, some degree of artistry in them and just helping to help people find that if they don't feel that they found it already. Um, those are all things that I've learned through teaching and there's so much more, but um, yeah, I guess I almost feel like going in and teaching steps is kind of the least of it at this point for me. You know, when I started there, I what I, what I felt like I saw were these brilliant young women who absolutely loved to dance, but were terrified of doing things wrong. And I just really felt that like in my body in a way that was so different than my experience of my own training and my own sense of like what, again, like who dancing is for, who's it for and what is it in the service of? And, you know, and I, again, I don't mean to denigrate that studio because there was a lot of incredibly rigorous, beautiful, unbelievable work that was happening there. But I, I just, it, I felt like if anything, I felt like I just wanted to be the ambassador for like movement and joy. Like I just wanted these young young women to feel like they could not be terrified of making, of doing things incorrectly or, you know, not, not adhering to a very narrow conception of what dancing was. For me, that was something that felt really important. Every time y'all came into the studio, I just wanted you to just roll around on the floor and like, <laughs> you know, just like make up little phrases and, you know, play great music and just, help you to be less afraid, I guess. In the second half of our conversation, I asked Katie about her iterative process of making and sharing work publicly. We also spoke about how she's approaching this question of whether to create or what to create right now in the time of COVID. 
and what she's engaged in and inspired by in this moment. It's really satisfying for me to put all of this teaching and all of this training and all of this personal growth and all of this personal understanding into something that allows it to be, allows those layers of knowing, allows those relationships, allows those, um, those streams of knowledge making and, and uh, knowledge acquisition to be expressed in the world. You know, like it feels like dancing can be such a hermetic, you know, closed door training to dance. You're just furiously trained to dance, you know, you're sweating bullets, you know, hours at a time in the in a closed door studio. And, and it's like being able to just like bring that out into the light and into the world and to be able to share it and to be able to not only express wherever it is that you are in your life and in your thinking and in your cosmology in that moment, but um, to also go through the process of, of the distinct kind of learning that comes from performing. I mean, the work that I do as a choreographer, I have such a specific sense of knowing of what the work is when I'm alone with the dancers in the studio. And then the minute I put it in front of other eyes, I learned something completely different or, or if not completely different, like this adjunct, you know, adjacent ch chapter of understanding about the, about the material by putting it in front of other people and, and, you know, not only getting their feedback, but just sort of vicariously imagining, looking at it through other eyes, like that's a whole other process of understanding material that is so deep for me and terrifying and exciting. And, um, and so I guess it's just sort of like this very, it's kind of like the, what's the name of that snake that eats its tail, the Ouroboros or whatever it is that like, it's all, it's all connected and interrelated. It's like I, I learn in order to shape and share into the world and then the world informs what it is that I have expressed and my understanding of what it is I've expressed. And that makes me wanna deepen into my knowledge about other things and try to practice learning other ways of conjuring the nuances of our you know lived embodied experience and some other kind of you know, movement expression. And then I put that in the world and I learn something new and it comes back to my training. And it just is this like, I'm, I'm making these like overlapping circle gestures with my hands right now. <laughs> um, they feel, <laughs> it, yeah, spirally interlocking, interrelated sort of patterned forms of um, feedback. And, and uh, to me, they're just completely intertwined. And I love that about it. I love that I can, can go into a very private period of deepening into my sense of something and the private period of choreographic inquiry and re research. And then the exposure of bringing that out into other, you know, into the public and, and, and kind of having that cracked open feeling that comes from that. Um, and then taking whatever lessons I've gathered and bringing it back to the privacy of my own body and my own, questions you know like that that is so deep for me and it shapes a lot the way I think about 
working with students, again, it's like, what is this for? Is this for the privacy of your own embodied experience? If so, that's great. Is this for the purpose of sharing something out into the world? If so, what are you open to receiving from the world in relation to this, to this, uh, this mode of sharing? Um, and I don't know where we're going next. Like, where, what does performance look like over the next few years? I've been completely resistant, absolutely resistant to trying to like, I'm gonna keep going, damn it. You know, I'm gonna make something on Zoom come hell or high water. No, I'm just not, I don't, I don't wanna do it. I don't know if that's just me being really like a curmudgeon or not, or if I'm like a little bit depressed or some combination, or if it's just like, no, I'm just gonna wait. I'll wait until we can like be bodies together again. And I'm gonna allow this moment to be a fallow period and fields need to be fallow, you know. There's something about the, the tolerance, like the patience that's required in a choreographic or any creative process. It's like, you can go as far as you can go and then you're gonna come up against a wall where you don't know where to go next. It just always happens. Like you're always gonna come up against some moment where the next decision, what that next decision needs to be is completely opaque to you. And there's a period that I think one often has to go through of just being patient, being patient with the work and living in the work and trying to be as present and attentive to the, to the, the work as it is in the moment, but also the environment that surrounds the work and that, and that, the next decision will become apparent, but you can't like manhandle it. You can't just like, you know, force it into submission. Like you just, sometimes you just have to be patient. And I kind of feel like that's what this moment feels like. And you know, there are days where that just makes me cry. Like it just makes me feel desperate. But then there are other days where it feels very familiar. Like that this, this patience, this waiting, this trying to be attentive and present it will, there will be a moment. I know, I trust now that there will be a moment when the next decision will become clear. Um, you know, whether that means, okay, I'm ready to make something on Zoom now, or it maybe it means like, okay, I, 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 my, my next decision is that I'm gonna continue to wait until I feel like the core essence of what I love about dance making and dance presenting is possible again, you know, which has something to do with reunification. But like right now, I feel like there's so much to take in. There's just, un it's just like a fire hose just being shot into your face all day. You know what I mean? Just, just really a lot of information and a lot of feeling and a lot of fear and a lot of uncertainty. And I applaud people that feel like they have the wherewithal to transform that artfully right now, or who feel like they can't not do that right now. Like that's, I understand completely why that would be. That's just not me. I just, I'm, I'm so flooded every minute of every day that I'm just trying to allow that to come through me and allow it to filter into my body in whatever way it needs to. And I just trust and I probably could not have trusted five or 10 or 15 years ago, but I trust because I've made a lot of stuff 
and I've been a lot of uncomfortable creative moments, I trust that it will become apparent what I need to do with all of this. And that's kind of comforting, even as I also have days where I cry all day because I don't know what I'm doing with my creative self, you know? I mean, I guess the thing I've been, that's been occupying a lot of my mental real estate lately is my thinking about what it means to be middle-aged as a dancer, as an artist, as a choreographer, um, what it means to be an aging woman in a body-based form and what you know what that means for me and who my elders are that I feel that I can really turn to as as role models um, for this next phase of my life moving toward you know I kind of think of I've put in this really marvelous 20-year chapter here in the Bay Area working as an artist working as a teacher and I feel like I'm on the cusp of another 20 year chapter, which maybe will be in a continuation of what I've been doing, or maybe it will be just something completely different. Um, I think I mentioned to you in our last conversation that I'm thinking about maybe pursuing more deeply studies in the field of education, um, in part because I'm just really interested in the field itself, but I'm also interested to know how or if my body expertise might be applied to other areas of learning and education in ways that are not only interesting to me, but maybe more sustainable for me over the next 20 year stretch where my body is just, it's just objectively going to change. And, um, uh, you know, just having some questions about what is important for me to carry forth into this next this next period of my life. And I, I really don't know the answers yet. It's, it feels like a relatively new, I think this, um, the pandemic, which has allowed me to slow certain things down, but also the fact of my um, stepdaughter graduating from high school this year, it feels, that feels like a very natural ending of a chapter that because my husband and I might not be tied to this area in the same way, we're, we're wondering like, well, where, where do we wanna be? Um, and that's economic and it's, it's many other things. And so just, uh, it's making me think about how my body moves into this next chapter. Um, and that feels like really exciting on the one hand and also super terrifying, you know, cause I don't want to, I don't want to make the wrong decision. I don't know that that's really the right way to be thinking about it, but I, I, I do know that I, that movement will has to be a part of my life for the rest of my life. 